Morning, gang. You doing well? It's been a good summer. been a hot summer, hasn't it? Yeah, a lot of 90-degree days. Um, we're working through, speaking of heat, <laughs> working through this book, Romans, not so much concerned about taking apart the, the verses or even individual words, but looking at tensions. And uh, last Sunday, Sharon was talking about love and the tension, and I was thinking about this verse. So it's one of the, my favorite go-to verses, the only thing that counts in life, because Paul's talking to Galatians, and they're so worried about the law and all these other things. He says, listen, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Your faith being expressed in love to others. And I was thinking about all the different tensions that we've talked about, and there's been a lot, a lot of different tensions that we've discussed. And I'm thinking about, as we talk about these different tensions, I just think about life happening. And I've had conversations with single parents. I've had conversations with people that are unemployed, people that are in financial stressful situations, talking to people who are fighting loneliness in all these different places. And as I talk to them, I hear them struggling to figure out, how does my faith help me here? You know what I mean when I say that? It's like, in these tension points, what does it look like? And the thing about faith and trust is that we have to trust the tension of trust. So it's really tricky. It's like, gosh, I just want to get out of this. Because here's the reality, you guys, is that we are wired for pleasure. You and I are created for the perfect place, heaven. That's what we're created for. Are we there yet? No. And so what we bump along the way are these, these big gaps in our life, these unmet expectations, these places where our plans just get scattered and our prayers don't get answered, and we're waiting, and in that place, there's all this tension that we feel. And so today's verse, if you open up your Bibles to Romans 1, helps us with understanding what do we do, how do we trust the tension of trust. Paul says this, for in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you and I are living by faith, by trust. This morning, you got up and you got into your car and you trusted it would start. And you trusted it would stay together while you drove here to church. And scarier still, you trusted other drivers to obey the laws of the land and drive well and not text while driving. I saw someone uh, while I was on my bike trying to text with one hand and fixing her eyeliner with the other. Yeah, oh. I'm not going there. So all these places, we're we're having to trust. and, And Jesus is leading the example as he goes into the most uh, testing, tense place. He demonstrates his trust. Sharon referred to this last week when Christ went to the cross, when they hurled their insults at him. He did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. In other words, in these tense spots, 
Jesus goes to the depths of those. But in these ten spots, over and over and over again, I am putting my trust in the one who is trustworthy. And so back to the verse that we're talking about, Paul just really encapsulated it. It's it's an Old Testament verse, brings it into the New Testament. The concept stands, the righteous will live by faith. Now, when we hear that word faith, we've got to be careful because in our culture, how we hear the word faith now is something like this. The righteous will live by the right belief system. Which right beliefs are important? But in our Western culture, you can ask somebody, do you believe in God? And they'll say, yeah. But does their life reflect their belief? Not always. And if I said to you, you know what? I was talking to the structural engineer in Blaine City, and he said the roof could give out right about 1120 here. If you believe me, do you stay in your seat? No, you get up and move. You see, in the ancient Middle East, where these languages come from, the word faith has to do with you act on what you believe. You don't just have this cerebral thought that I believe this. My whole life rests on what I believe. So the Jewish culture is centered completely around the Torah. They talk about it. They live by it. It's the rules. Their their kids rewrite the Torah as they're, they're growing up and they're memorizing it. Many of the verses are in So they're they're immersing their lives in these beliefs. They're leaning them on. And so when Paul says the righteous will live by faith, he is saying the the righteous people will find life by trusting God. The life that you and I are craving, the thing that we're looking for, isn't there more to this life? It's always discovered by trusting, leaning, resting, believing God. And yet in the midst of this, I'm talking to all these different people, single parents, unemployed, financially stressed, physically stressed, and they're all trying to do the fight of faith. How do I do this, Mark? What does it look like to really believe God, to trust God? How do I do this? So let's think a little bit about this idea of trust. And put your thinking caps on with me. What is trust? Well, in looking throughout the scripture and reading several dictionaries, I would say that the essential pieces of trust are this. Trust is a willingness to take a risk and be vulnerable. You think that's fair? If you're going to trust something, there's a bit of a risk. And there's a vulnerability. I like to think in pictures, so I think it looks like this. Ah! I mean the big things, right? In those situations, and someone I was talking to recently, they said to me, Mark, what scares me as I get older, I learn more about how little control I really have. Can I get an amen? Do you like to be completely out of control? (laughs) But we are. I mean, there are places that are largely out of our control. You can eat well, you can exercise, and you could still look like me. I mean, there's all kinds of challenges. I mean, there's there's no guarantees. We're trusting. And so this idea of trust is there's a gap there. I just throw myself. Henry Nouwen talks about 
a spiritual lesson he learned when he watched these famous acrobats, and he talked to the person who's known as the flyer. Henry Nouwen referred to her as a truster. Because what the flyer's job is, is to gain enough acceleration to fly through this gap in the air and trust the catcher. And their whole job is to launch. And this guy's job is to catch. And that, my friends, is a good picture of what it really looks like to trust. In relationships, the reality is this, is that for me to know you, I must risk me. And that sometimes feels good. A lot of times feels scary. Sometimes feels like, "Mm, I'm not going to do that. And other times it's a huge blessing to feel known. But what's interesting is that when you talk to people about the issue of trust and you ask them what is trust, what they really go to are not stories of trust, but stories of broken trust. Places where I risked, I shared myself, and it didn't seem like it really worked out. And we can do the same thing with our faith life. In fact, what research indicates is just like there's a joy tank, there's a trust tank. You are either filling your faith tank, your trust tank, or it's depleting. And so we've got to be watching for places where God is answering. Otherwise, it just slowly diminishes it, and your capacity to trust diminishes with it. So these broken stories of trust need to be transformed and renewed, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But I want you to, to listen to this story that Brene Brown's daughter shares. I don't know why it does this here. Are we at the movie now, Mike? One more. I'm just going to go there. Brene Brown is a researcher that talks a lot about trust in her research. And she tells a story about her third grade daughter coming home. See if you don't relate to it. Go ahead, Mike. was in third grade, and the minute we closed the front door, she literally just started sobbing and slid down the door until she was just kind of a heap of crying on the floor. And of course, I was, it scared me, and I said, what's wrong, Ellen? What happened? What happened? And she pulled herself together enough to say, I, something really hard happened to me today at school, and I shared it with a couple of my friends during recess. And by the time we got back into the classroom, everyone in my class knew what had happened. And they were laughing and pointing at me and calling me names. And it was so bad, and the kids were being so disruptive, that her teacher even had to take marbles out of this marble jar. And the marble jar in the classroom is a jar where if the kids are making great, be- you know, great choices together, the teacher adds marbles. If they're making not great choices, the teacher takes out marbles. And if the jar gets filled up, there's a celebration about the- for the class. And so she said, it was one of the worst moments of my life. They were laughing and pointing, and Miss Bauckham, my teacher, kept saying, I'm going to take marbles out, you know, and she didn't know what was happening. And she looked at me, And she, just with this face that is just seared into my mind and said, I will never trust anyone again. 
I don't think there's probably anyone in the room that hasn't in some way, shape, or form said something similar to that after being burned. I will never trust again. And yet, we're stuck. We have to trust. Life is about trust. Relationships is about trust. And so how do we do this thing that Paul plainly says, life is found in trusting? How do we do it? Well, let's think a little bit more. There's a a teacher named Dr. Uh, Jack Van Epps, who wrote a book called How to Avoid Marrying a Jerk. And he quickly says in the preface, there's jerkettes too, so it's not gender exclusive. And he came up with this little scale, and these are like, if this is off, and this is all the way on, like a slider soundboard or light board. And what he said was that these things are all connected. And He would ask the class, he'd say, if you knew a person about this level, how much would you trust them? So if you knew a person this much on the scale, how much would you, where'd you put your trust button? How many would go a little bit lower? Yep, you pessimists. (laughs) No, you're realists is really what you are. You'd go right about here. Because you're waiting to see, is the person reliable? Are are they really who they say they are? Are they trustworthy? Are they committed to my good as well as their own? In other words, uh, how do they care about me? And then I can feel safe to give my heart. And all these are interconnected. And so um, what's interesting about this is that a lot of research affirms this, that when we're looking to trust a company or someone or Uh, church. What we're really looking for is we're looking for reliability. Are they who they say they are? We're looking for a sense of commitment. Do they really care about me? And then lastly, is it safe? Can I really open my heart in this place? Well, when you think about Brene's daughter, she wasn't experiencing any of these things. Her friends weren't reliable. She gave them precious information, and they went and they told everybody. Third grade. Remember third grade people? How solid you feel in your soul. You know, it's like, wow, they're not reliable. And obviously, they're not committed just to my care and certainly doesn't feel safe. So we're searching for all these places where we can put ourselves. And you see, when you're in a place of trust, it naturally feels tense. It feels uncomfortable. You're stretched. Trust takes you out of your known zone. It takes you out of your capacity. And now you're into this place where it, it just feels off balance. And so what we're looking for is someone who is 100% reliable. Someone who we can really put our feet on and go, they're not moving. They're always there. They're always the same. They always care for me. They're always safe. Do we know anybody like that? Jesus, right? The old Sunday school answer. And so when Paul says, listen, the only thing that counts is your faith, your trust in Jesus being expressed in how you love, he's wrapping that package up. But we're looking for this place. Where can we put our feet? What feels solid? And so 
really what happens, here we go. Need a blank screen. I don't know why I went to that one. When we're moving through, now remember, we said that Jesus is 100% reliable. The guys got me this box because I was standing on this first service. And they said, Mark, we don't know about that. So they got me the big green box. We want to know that there's something that is rock solid that we can stand on. This feels actually more flimsy than that. But I'm going to trust that it's okay. And we would all say, how many here agree this morning that Jesus Christ is 100% reliable? How many would say that Jesus Christ is 100% committed to you? How many would say that Jesus is entirely safe? Right, we say that. And then so we hear this message on trust and we go, yep, I know it's good. we got to trust him more. So we go marching out the doors into this experiential world. And this is what happens. We say, well, the Bible says the righteous shall live by trust. So I'm going to do that. And so we step into an experience. We call a friend that we've been estranged from. We go to make amends. Um, We try to right a wrong. Uh, Whatever it is, But we step into this experience that takes faith. And then our expectations. So if, you've, if you're at odds with someone, if, the, if you have a sibling that you've been estranged from for years, and all of a sudden you decide you're going to call them, you would like to know that it's going to go perfectly well, that the other sibling on the other side is going to go, Mark, it's so good to hear from you. I'm so glad I missed you. Oh. But how many of you believe your experience is really going to be like that? It's not, is it? There's going to be some work. There's going to be some places to trust, to exercise your faith. But you see, when those expectations hit, emotions hit. And we're looking for reliability. We're looking for commitment and safety. And sometimes that place of faith takes us up and out to places that feel unsafe, unreliable. And in that moment, now we're starting to wonder Is Jesus really trustworthy? Who got me into this mess? Jesus. I mean, I remember going back to talk to my dad. I've told you guys about it. I could barely breathe. And you're stepping into this uncomfortable, unknown place, all because of what you believe, you trust. Does it feel comfortable? No. Did it feel reliable? Mm mm. Did it feel safe? Woo! And the real faith stretchers take us there. And we're left with these questions. And this is where Paul is going to do some work in Romans to help us to really get centered in how do we trust in these moments. And the key, quite simply, is in knowing. When you go back to the grid, it's about increasing your knowledge of God. So that your trust can follow and your confidence in his reliability and his commitment to you frees your heart. Think about all the great stories in the Bible. How many of them were one and done? Did Moses hear God to go back to Israel or Egypt to deliver Israel? Did he hear God? Was that a sure word? Was that a reliable word from a reliable God? He goes back. And what happens on day one? Oh, it's perfect. They already have their suitcases packed. The station wagon's backed up to the fence. They're ready to go. No. 
at the end of his first day's work, Israel wanted to kill Moses. That's a bad day on the job. And so out of that experience, do you feel like, oh, this is just going so well. I love trust and faith. No. But see, faith is going to grow in that moment. And the key is in knowing. That's why Jesus says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And Paul follows suit when he talks in Ephesians. He tells them, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. It's in the knowing of God that frees us to trust. So in the exercise of those tense places where this is not really feeling so comfortable and I'm feeling the tension of trust, the key is... Becoming a good knower. So scratch your head like this guy and go, okay, i got to know. Well, here we go. And Paul says, I know you need to know this, so I'm going to tell you in, the, in Romans the four essential pieces that need to stay in tension if you're really going to do a good job trusting, believing in me, relying on me. In those moments where you're stretched, Let me give you the four. Circumstances, the Word of God, your sense of what God is doing. Tammy talked about that. And others, the fellowship. And it is like a box. If I lean on you, <laughs> if I do that, <laughs> I could fall off. Someone come and catch the old guy. So, but if I'm off on one side too far, which I'm going to be very careful now, off it, off it falls. If I lean this way, you get Brendan really nervous. If I'm back this way, you know, you, there's balance. There's a center that you're meant to be in tension. And oftentimes what we do as Christians is we rely very heavily on circumstances. We won't always confess that. But because we're pleasure-seeking missiles, always looking for safety and security, wired for heaven and pleasure, when the circumstances don't feel right, oftentimes we say, mm-mm, I'm not doing that. And we back away. But what Paul says in Romans 1.13 is, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters. I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you. You see, those people in Rome could have said, I don't trust Paul. He sends us letters and says he's going to come, and he doesn't come. We set up the guest room. We buy nice tenderloin steaks. We get ready for him to come, and he doesn't show. We can't trust this guy. But Paul is saying, listen, the way the circumstances were set up, God was arranging something else. Tammy mentioned that in her short testimony. I wanted to take the Bible study then, but this is the right time now. And so oftentimes what happens to us is we need to discern through the circumstances what's happening here, God. In order to do that, we need the tension of the Word of God. And Paul says later in Romans 8 or 10, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the Word about Christ. What does the Word say? You see, God doesn't want us just looking for Him in the circumstances. He gives us the book a reliable record of his work throughout 
all these years, from the beginning of creation till now, how does God work with his people? Is he reliable? Is he committed? Is he safe? Read the book. And so oftentimes what you read in the Psalms, it's why I love the Psalms, is you have a psalmist who's taking his circumstances in big bags into the sanctuary with God, and they're going, look at this God. It's a mess. Israel's a mess. We're getting attacked all the time. We're impoverished. We're the tail, not the head. And yet you, O Lord, are round about Jerusalem as the mountains are. And yet you, O Lord, are the Almighty One. And so what he's doing is he's stepping into the tension. He's saying, I can't just look at the circumstances. i got to stand on the Word of God. It's reliable. And he gives it to us. So I say to you this morning, if you're being challenged, turn to the Word. Lean on the Word. Trust the Word. But it's not just the word that he gives. He also sends his spirit. In Romans 8, he says, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Tammy mentioned this, that when she would hear about the study, her heart would start to beat. Now every time your heart beats, it doesn't necessarily mean it's the spirit, but she was discerning. Paul says in another letter, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. And the word rule comes from the Greek word meaning referee. Is it inbounds, out of bounds? Is it God or not? And so now God doesn't just say, I'm going to speak to you through circumstances. He says, I'm going to send you a written record of who I am. And even more, I'm going to put inside you my spirit who will teach you to read that word and understand it. That's a pretty good package, isn't it? But he's not done yet. He's got one more thing that you can stand on when you're feeling the tension of trust. He supplies others. Paul says in Romans 1, that is that you and I might be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. He's not content just to sit, say that I'm going to show myself through circumstances, that I'm going to speak to you through my word, that I'm going to send my spirit, but I'm going to plant you in a family, which sometimes can be a little nerve-wracking, tense in itself. But we need others. Last Wednesday, I, I got together with my guys. Uh, I've been meeting with these guys for three years now, and um, it's just been really good to see what God has done. And I, I told them, I said, guys, I I'm going to be teaching about trust. I would love if we could take some time tonight and each one share a story of when you had to trust God. And it was amazing, you guys. By the time we got done hearing stories from each of those fellows, our trust tank was full. So many amazing stories. We had one guy that actually trusted God and God actually used the IRS to give him money. Where does that happen? Oh, can God do it? You know, it's like, there are so many crazy stories. It was beautiful to hear how many times when they said, and in my story it's true, my faith was faltering. I didn't feel so faithful. But God showed himself strong. He can't deny himself. He comes through.
Paul is building, as he talks about the tension of trusting to this place in Romans 12, it's kind of the consummate word of what a Christian life looks like. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, his excellent resume, his, his unchallenged reliability, his unselfish commitment, his unbelievable safety, in view of that, I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. No. Holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That's what it's about. That's what all of heaven stops. Whoa, wait a second. What is fairly doing? Look at him step in with trust. What? Gideon, get over and look at this. This is Brendan Fairley, trusting God, offering himself as a living sacrifice. And the way you do that is not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, which is to say, that's it, I'm not trusting. I'm not doing that. That's crazy. If you look in the book and you look at how many of those Bible characters who were faithful servants of God, what they did was crazy. If it was according to the pattern, I mean, come on. David and Goliath. Let's just take one that we all know. If David goes back and consults with his friends, hey, listen, I'm fighting this guy that's nine feet, MMA, cage match. It's to death. I feel pretty good. I mean, I'm 5'8", pretty feisty. Yeah, but have you ever fought a guy that's nine feet tall and Weighs a couple of tons and has like huge spears and swords. Well, no. I wouldn't do it. Right? It looks audacious. It looks crazy. It's the call of faith. Everyone's looking at Goliath. God's looking at God. He's not conformed to the pattern of this earth, but he's transformed by the renewing of his mind. He knows God is faithful. He knows he's been built along his circumstances. When lions and bears came to take his sheep, God came through. He knows that. He's writing Psalm 23. He knows that the Lord is with me in the valleys. He's with me in in the pastures. I don't have to be afraid. My God is 100% reliable, committed, and safe. He will see me through. How about me and you? How's your trust? It wasn't too long ago when I was up here and I was telling you about the gap. Remember that? Gap hasn't necessarily gone away. But others came alongside and said, Mark, we're praying. Mark, we're with you. Others came along and shared stories places in Romans and other places in the Word have jumped out to me. It's like the letters on the page. Whoa, slow down. Look at this. The most off-spoken promise in the Bible 469 times is plain and simple. Do not be afraid. I am with you. Over and over and over that word coming back I see the gap. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. He sends his spirit. He sends his word. 
He sends others. So how is your trust? Pray with me. Lord, we know that there's no way that we can do this life without trust. We, we know that. We see that. We feel that. It feels tense. And as we face and look at it, we know come this offering, you're not really that interested you know, that it's just about money. What you're interested in is about our lives, that we would be living sacrifices, as Paul says. That takes trust. So I pray for each one of us as we go into worship and as we pray and as we think, Lord, speak. There's places where we've leaned too hard on circumstances. and We've backed off our trust. Speak to us. Send your spirit and your word. Send others. But Lord, bring us back into a place where we feel like the most comfortable place to be is sitting right in the middle of the tension of trusting you. Because you, oh God, are 100% trustworthy. In Jesus' name. Sing out worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever see. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Yeah.
one like you There is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder And show me who you are And fill me with your heart And lead me in your love to love your heart and 